I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is coming off! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here in studio in Cork, joined as always by Murray Kinsella of the 42 over in Waterford. How are you, Murray? I'm very good, Gav. How are things? Yeah, can't complain too much. We're delighted to be joined as well, as per usual, by Bernard Jackman. How are things in your head, Bernard? Uh, all good, man. Thank you. Lovely stuff. We're going to chat a little bit about Super Rugby and the big news in New Zealand today. Then we're going to look at Connacht as well and that mass exodus of players Last week, and some of the academy players that have now signed up to join with the senior team. Um, starting in New Zealand, though, Murray, I think we have to because it, it's probably the most exciting news happening in rugby at the moment. And a kind of a romantic story as well. Dan Carter is back, albeit with the Blues and not his beloved Crusaders, where he'll join forces with Bowden Barrett. I saw you had a picture on Instagram, I think from Info, of the two of them uh, running alongside each other in training. It's quite the picture, isn't it? And quite the story. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture. You need to find someone who looks at you the way Bowden Barrett looks at Dan Carter in that photo. <laughs> He's clearly uh, still a little bit in awe of his, his former and now current teammate. It is an amazing story um, and it seemed to happen pretty quickly. Uh, Stephen Perifetta, one of the Blues playmakers, he, he plays out half, but he's featured a lot of fullback as well, uh, fractured his foot and Liam McDonald, the Blues coach, had a pretty inspired idea of calling up Dan Carter, who handily enough was back in Auckland um, when when we when he kind of finished up with Kobe Steelers in Japan, he didn't announce his retirement, so you suspected there might be some little uh, twist in in the story. And this is probably not well exactly what we expected because obviously he's so associated with the Crusaders, winning three Super Rugby titles with them, and it certainly won't be a romantic one for the Crusaders fans if he ends up playing and scoring against them. But it is a it's it's an exciting thing, isn't it? I know he's thirty eight, but. This is one of the greatest players of all time. For me, probably the best out half of all time. Highest point scorer ever. He's turned 38, what, back in March. But he still looks in fantastic condition. I've watched mainly highlights, I'll admit, of the top league over the last while. And he's been playing really well over there. Obviously, the standard in the top league isn't quite as high as, as this Super Rugby is going to be. But he helped Kobe Steelers to that title. They won a top league cup as well. And really working with some top-class coaches in the likes of Wayne Smith and Dave Dillon, who who run the program over there, two Kiwi guys who are top-class. And um, Carter's definitely in good nick as well. So it'll be fascinating to see what role exactly he plays. I think we're all imagining him and Bowden Barrett straight away at 10 and 15, linking up their first game they've played since the 2015 World Cup final, when they were both obviously um, important cogs in it and, and both scorers in that final. Um but it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how it pans out. And, and I think it was kind of timely that earlier on this week, Dan Carter, he was he was doing an interview with Johnny Sexton on his podcast. And he said, I think players can play on beyond 40. And, and certainly he's going to try, maybe uh, prove that point himself. So I'm really excited just to see how he gets on, how much he plays and, and how much he adds to the Blues. Yeah, me too. I think, Bernard, part of the romanticism of it is the fact that he's 38. I actually find that kind of more exciting or it adds a little bit more intrigue to it in the sense that okay you're playing at a reasonably high level in Japan but this is going back now to the the sort of real deal a a higher level at Super Rugby and like for Carter 
he probably hasn't relied on say raw athleticism now for a number of years and like for a boxer the punch is the last thing to go and I think for a rugby player that sort of touch of class for an out half is the last thing to go we would have seen that with Raj and others in the past so like how much of a contribution do you see him making to the the Blues efforts when rugby returns next week and how much of it do you think it will be kind of um I suppose a, a signing made with the intention of him also, you know, providing advice and, and sort of going into that advisory role, sharing his knowledge that he's accrued over, um, you know, a decade and a half of unbelievable rugby. Yeah, I think he'll play. I, I can see him playing a lot. Um, uh, I think, you know, Leon McDonald, um, obviously um, has, has worked with him before um, in, in, in the Crusaders. We'll be quite close to him. Uh, I think the Blues are on the verge of of hopefully getting back to to where they were. They've they've had a really good um, you know really good talent over the last ten or eleven years, but they just couldn't seem to to get the cultural aspect right. But uh, um, and I think that's that's something that he would have a big influence on. I mean, he's he's just brought success nearly everywhere he's been, whether it's been in the All Black jersey or you know his time in Racing, you know, leading Racing to a, a top fourteen. Um, and you know maybe could have brought him to a European Cup if he had if he hadn't been injured uh, in, in in the final stages, um, and going to you know see what he did in the Crusaders and then going to Japan. And I, I spoke to David Dillon um, a couple of weeks ago as who as Murray said is the head coach, and they said he's just been instrumental. They think he's playing you know unbelievable rugby, but just his his intellectual uh, property that he you know he he has in terms of helping coaches. I suppose design a game plan and then obviously implement it and bring other people into the game. And it was ironic actually. Just this week, um, someone sent me some some stuff, uh, some video footage on on out halves and, and scanning. And uh, it was a comparison between Dan Carter and Owen Farrell. And, and uh, there's actually an interview with Owen Farrell in it, and he's talking about you know how he has to kind of slow down before. He can he can see things um, and and then obviously adapt to where the space is whether it's run kick and whereas Carter seems to be able to you know move around the field at full speed uh, and then still execute um, the the right option and some of that is probably down to you know Northern Hemisphere players maybe not being as good at communication and and feeding that information in um, but you have to say that you know part of that is 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 innate is is part of his talent and. Um, he just does seem to be able to to see opportunities um, faster than everybody else. And if his legs are gone a little bit, which again, you know, Dave Dillon said they didn't really feel that uh, in, in the in the J League, which is very quick. Um, they felt he was still in great condition, um, even if maybe you know they're not. He's not as durable as he was. If he can bring other people into the game, uh, and particularly you know that that Auckland Blues backline. Um, I think it could be a really exciting uh, time for for the Blues, and they might just need someone like him to help them change. Um, and then, you know, obviously he can probably you know move on or, or or retire when he when he when he feels like it. But if he can be part of the Blues changing, um, they should they should really be the the uh, the dominant force in New Zealand. You know, uh, realistically, I mean uh, that's where the big talent pool is. It's very similar to Leinster. Um, there's a huge amount of, of, of talent uh, coming through their schools and an underage system. And what's kind of held them back in the past was other regions being able to come in and, and, and pick off, you know, talent that, that was there uh, under their nose that maybe they weren't um, bringing through or just because 
there was more of a chance of of being successful in the Chiefs, the Highlanders, or the or the or Crusaders, namely or Hurricanes. In fairness, they've all had a shot at winning it. Um, they've been able to take them out of there. Whereas you know a very strong Auckland Blues franchise, um, I think would be would be really exciting and put put it up to the other region or the other uh, franchises to. To, to you know, to continue to get better, and, and it augurs well for New Zealand rugby. I think. Yeah, it augurs well certainly for the Blues as well, Murray. The fact that not only have they recruited Carter as potentially being this otherworldly on-field talent, but he just uh, his presence adds a little bit of gravitas to what they're doing, doesn't it? And it will help with what Bernard is talking about there. Even if you're a young player that, in the past couple of years, might have been been eyeing a move to Christchurch or wherever. Like the the opportunity to play alongside Carter and learn off him if you were twenty one twenty two, might sway you towards staying, and it might just, you know, his uh, that sort of aura, that innate leadership ability that he'll bring to their program there, um, it might be the the little catalyst that does propel them into contention now for titles, uh, and it might be a sort of a legacy that he leaves even when he's not playing anymore, just that little spark, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think some people's reaction to this will be, oh, he's thirty eight. He's passed it. What are they doing? This is going to dent the progress of a couple of younger out halves. Otiri Black is the guy who's been playing out half in this year for, for the Blues. He's 25. He's kind of had to bide his time a little bit. Really good talent and still progressing. They also have Harry Plummer, who's 21, I think, who's a real talent as well. But just imagine the nuggets that they're going to get from a guy like Dan Carter. As I said, one of the all-time greats and a guy who, like Berners mentioned some of his skills, little things like that scanning, his kicking game, how he conducts himself, how he's so professional that he can be in such good nick at 38. They're going to get gain so much from that aspect of it. Even everything, like, sorry, I, I, I'm always referencing Last Dance because it's the last series I watched, but you, you remember where Kobe Bryant talks about how Michael Jordan had that unbelievable influence on him. Um, and that's the kind of thing a player like Dan Carter can do for someone who's younger, less experienced, hasn't had those... Um, those high achievements in the game that he has he can definitely share that with players like Black and, and Plummer uh, and even Bowden Barrett who obviously has worked with him a, a, to a fair degree before obviously and has achieved so much himself in the game but I think McDonald and Carter himself probably are, are motivated by that as much as anything um, and it'll be it'll be I think a really positive experience for, for those younger players albeit they might lack a few of the minutes the bit of the game time that they would have got otherwise but there's many ways to improve and, and I think that'll be a big part of it um, and to go back to Sexton I think he'll be watching this with glee and if it goes well for Dan Carter he'll be kind of pointing out and saying I told you so I can play on till I'm 40 uh, just so you wait and see <laughs> no doubt about it um, something you touched upon when we brought this up at the start was that maybe it won't feel like uh, such welcome news for Crusaders fans and we've spoken in the past about how New Zealand it is a little bit culturally different and maybe it's a, a cautionary tale as well just the regularity with which players can swap franchises and maybe there isn't so much of um, a parochial loyalty and, and rivalries are perhaps eroded slightly as a result of that but do you you reckon this one will actually sting or do you think Crusaders fans might be able to look at it and just be like look the guy wants three uh, Super Rugby titles with us he was there for sort of 12-13 years he doesn't owe us anything you know leave him off enjoy the enjoy the ride or will they actually be a little bit bitter that he is going to Auckland um, I think it'll, it'll depend on the individual fan I think there'll be some in, in one camp and others in, in the other one 
first and foremost it's probably it's fun as well isn't it the whole thing is just adding to the excitement of this competition getting back you've had those law trial um the law innovations announced where clearly new zealand rugby are, are pushing this as being an exciting fun um you know series of matches over the course of 10 weeks where you're going to have the golden point system where they're trying to avoid red cards i suppose ruining games in their eyes i know that's been a divisive one as well but having someone like dan carter back again just adds another layer to it doesn't it? i think every single person who knows Dan Carter is now going to be trying to tune into these games from around the world even if they weren't going to do that just to see how he gets on so yeah I think some Crusaders fans will, will be a little bit bitter seeing him in the Blues jersey because that rivalry although as you mentioned it has diluted of course but it was certainly there and and you think back to the very start of Super Rugby the Blues going back to back at the start and then the Crusaders winning a, a, a treble so yeah, it harks back a little bit to that time, and um, I think it'll be weird. And indeed, it was weird seeing him in the training jersey with the with the Blues. But um, it's going to be a lot of fun if he gets on the pitch against the Crusaders. How big is it for the actual competition, Bernard, and that franchise, if you like, just in terms of, I suppose, TV ratings and things like that? Um, just to have a guy like Carter, as Murray says, even if you're only half inclined to watch this uh, previously. I think anybody with uh, with a remote interest in rugby will tune in and watch this now, at least a couple of games, just to see what Carter looks like back in this competition at 38. Oh, so I think it's fascinating. I think the New Zealand rugby public um, in general are, are quite hard to please. I mean, uh, they just rugby such a part of their um, of their whole culture. Um, you know, they tend uh, not to get carried away by by big games um, and you know by by the fa- by the stars as such, but I think it's a massive advantage for for New Zealand uh, rugby that they're they're probably the first back. I mean, look at look at many people around the world are watching the NRL um, at the moment, and I've um, I've read some articles around you know how much money Fox Sport and NRL are, are getting from you know from new new customers, um, and likewise New Zealand are going to be the first back. Um, they might even be able to have crowds at the games, um, and you know the eyes of the world um, will be on them. I think New Zealand rugby fans will be excited by this kind of internal competition. You know, maybe the you know the um, the Blues against against the, the Jaguars. You know, didn't really catch the imagination of the Auckland public. Whereas you know now with the, with the Blues against against the Crusaders with with Dan Carter and. and uh, and Barrett, you know, in, in their squad might be just a stimulus they need to get back in the habit of supporting their, their Super Rugby, you know, uh, regions in, in, in big numbers. And, um, you know, I think it's an it's a huge, um, huge boost for, for rugby in the country just to see, you know, you know what he can do again. And, and they're, they're very harsh. I mean, Dan Carter will know that the New Zealand rugby public um, and the players he's playing with and against will, will give him no freebies. But, you know, someone like him, that, that's, that's what he's motivated by. And uh, he, he hasn't taken easy challenges um, in, in the past. And, and I think he would see this, you know, as being another layer on our, what's already a, a very strong legacy. If he can be play a part in, in, in turning them around and leading to success. Speaking of the NRL, actually, and, and comebacks, uh, Ben Teo is, is going back to the Broncos after his stint with the Sunwolves, and I'm just glancing at the score there. The Broncos are currently playing the Roosters, and the Roosters are f- over 50 points now. It's miserable stuff from the Broncos. So I'd say Ben Teo is, is regretting his decision. Uh, look, I think uh, the Broncos uh, the Broncos are, are down their look at the moment. But um, yeah, yeah the, the head coach, Anthony Sebo, is someone that I, 
uh, I've, I've read it quite a bit and, and got to meet and uh, he, he's, a, he's a great coach and I'd love to see Theo going in there and, and helping him you know it's a very young squad so um, you know, hopefully get them back on track but they, they had a heavy beating last week by the Eels and this is, this is ugly uh, There was a question actually earlier in the week in the WhatsApp group uh, the 42 members WhatsApp group from Niall and he was saying as an Eels fan enjoying their fleeting good form can Murray be pressed to reveal his NRL team of choice next pod? I don't know if um, that would interfere with your professionalism, Murray, <laughs> but uh, as a man who I suppose doesn't necessarily cover league too often, do you have a, a favourite team in the NRL? Uh, it's been the rabbit hole since one of my mates went to Australia and brought me some of the gear back uh, when, when I, at a time when I didn't watch any le- rugby league at all. And I definitely am still learning about it. So, yeah, I'll probably stick with them. But enjoyed watching the Raiders last weekend some really lovely rugby they're real clinical and how they played and i i've really enjoyed the the rugby so far like they've tweaked some of the the rules the laws this new kind of six again where they're just trying to speed up the game and i was looking at the stats even the ball and play has been really high and and the tempo of the game has struck me as really high as well and a little a little bit less structured and because the the recycle is so quick at the play the ball they're they're being a little bit more creative maybe so i've really enjoyed it so far and there's loads of little interesting anecdote uh, literally little um little tweaks and and plays that I, i'm guessing a lot of coaches like bernard even are, are watching all the time and and taking a lot from another coach to speak of leon mcdonald i absolutely love the message he sent to the blue squad by the way uh informing them of carter's arrival which was hey boys hope you've enjoyed the day off promise i haven't been to lone star today so you know before the rest of the world dan carter will be joining the squad as injury cover for stevie some injury cover, like, isn't it? <laughs> then he goes, his motive is to give back to New Zealand rugby through sharing, sharing his experience, knowledge with us. Great opportunity to learn from one of the game's greats. It will be a bit he- bit of a hectic introduction with media, etc. So please make him feel welcome on arrival tomorrow like we always do. Righto, better eat my ribs and loaf. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> what a message to be dropped into a group chat. Um, just just to stay very briefly on uh, the Southern Hemisphere, I said to you, Murray, we might broach it, the Sunwolves bowing out officially of Super Rugby. Just wanted to get your reaction to it and, and what you make of it. Um, given that, I suppose, that Japan was sort of riding the crest of a wave after the World Cup and uh, clearly there is... Um, uh, there was a latent interest in the sport there that's now being kind of explored and we see that with TV figures, with attendances and just the, the increase in quality of the top league. What, was the Sunwolves experiment, if you like, or expansion maybe a case of cart before the horse in that, um, I don't know, did they really get the opportunity to harness that uh, goodwill from last year? And maybe it, it might be just a case that Japan is better off developing its domestic league before looking to do something like that again. Yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in Bernard's take on this. It's his knowledge of Japan is, is definitely greater than mine. Just on the Sunwolves, it's a pity they didn't get into that Australian comp that's due to start, uh, what is it, 3rd of July, just to have a kind of final hurrah. But it's always kind of felt a little bit cobbled together and a, a mishmash of players, people like Theo, who just kind of fleetingly come in and then head on. Um, it never quite got going. They played some really nice, attractive rugby, but certainly didn't have the success in the field. From from my, albeit slightly ignorant point of view, I, I just love to see a real focus now on the top league and, and the progression that it's made, getting it fully professional maybe. Obviously, you have a lot of guys who are working for their companies, the, the club's company, as well as playing. And then you have the major stars who are earning big money alongside them. But 
I think from what I've seen, certainly in, in 2020, that the quality of that is going in the right direction. And I'd love it to turn into a genuinely, you know, international league where we're tuning into that and, and watching highlights from that every weekend and, and seeing how players are getting on. Really interesting to see Paddy Butler obviously over there in a two-year deal with, with Yamaha. And hopefully that opens up another avenue, maybe even for Irish players and and players from this part of the world. So I think it'd be great to see that growing, and and I think it would also be brilliant if uh, if Japan get into that rugby championship um, as has been kind of mooted, as well as being part of the nations championship, which looks like it's going to happen. I think at international level that would that would help them grow, and I just think it would be really cool to have a, a top league where you know it's you know they're competing for players against the french top 14 or the english premiership and it's a it's another genuine avenue but bernie you certainly know a lot more about what's going on there yeah no, i i actually don't think um it's that bad a thing to be honest um uh, just the way super rugby re- is reshaping you know there's obviously talk about the south africans um potentially coming to be part of a of a pro 14 or extended pro 14 um, I think eventually the Aussies and Kiwis will will probably um, end up tying up some kind of competition there, and and, and there'll be you know economy on uh, economies on on air travel, and you know the Sunwolves. If you look at what how the I suppose the Japanese Union and, and Jamie Joseph used the Sunwolves the year of um, of the World Cup, um, they were effectively a, a development uh, team, and and uh, you know and and that obviously paid off with Japan. You know the national team being really successful, but they have huge hopes for this, for this top league in Japan next season. They've, you know, they've they've continued to invest in it. They're bringing, you know, a lot of the best players in the world in, a lot of really good coaches, and I I prefer to be honest to see that take off properly and 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 really grow than try and I suppose, you know, do a little bit of both. Um, I don't think they were really ever going to finance the Sunwolves. To the level they needed to. Um, obviously, we know that the the vast majority of the of the funding in in in, in Japanese rugby comes from the corporations. Um, and by all accounts, next year the the Japanese rugby union are going to boost their um, uh, I suppose supplementation of that. So hence, you know, it could be you know on the back of a, a successful uh, home World Cup where people who never watched uh, rugby before um, in Japanese society. Um, tuned in and we saw some of the TV TV figures and the level of interest that, that spiked after that. Um, obviously, the Olympics now has been postponed till, till next summer, which gives rugby a chance in January, February, March to, uh, to, to, I suppose, really build some momentum. That was the big fear in Japan that post-World Cup, um, the Olympics were coming too quick quick after it. And the people, you know, who who follow the rugby will then start to, I suppose, you know, follow the Olympics and, and sports within that, and they would have lost momentum. So, um, I, I I think it's you know it's, a, it's unfortunate for people involved in the Sumo's organization, but I do like the way the the uh, the Japanese league is shaping up, and um, there's been a huge amount of money spent on it for a long time, but you know I think now they're on the uh, the verge of making something really strong, and and uh, I think also you know we we've spoken about the likes of Wayne Smith and, and Dave Dillon and Ackerman. In the past, going there, but some of the Japanese coaches, um, you know, are really clued in, and uh, they're developing, and, and they're learn. They've learned from the likes of Eddie Jones and and Jamie Joseph, and all the kind of high-profile foreign coaches that have been in there in the past. And um, yeah, I think I think Japanese rugby is in a in a really good place, and and I'm looking excited to see how that championship develops next year with um, with a real focus on making it more professional. 
Hmm, exciting times maybe rather than concerning times in Japan then uh, speaking of departures there were 12 of them from Connacht last week a couple of them were surprises at least to me I remember writing up the, the quick sort of news line on the site and I did message you Murray kind of going like you know is this sort of news like that Adi Lokun and th- like did I completely miss this because often you sort of hear through the rumour mill or, or through the grapevine that, that guys have a foot out the door but um Starting with, I suppose, the, the, I'd say the two highest profile ones and maybe the most surprising ones to a lot of fans would have been Ni Adi Lokun and Dara Leader. But I, I guess in an overall sense, it's just a, a massive chunk of experience gone from Connick's squad ahead of next season, Murray. Yeah, it is. It's like real change to the squad. And, and even just before we came on, I was kind of making a depth chart and it, it does look, as you say, maybe lacking that bit of experience, a lot of youth, which is exciting on the other hand you've got players coming through and and six academy graduates going up into the senior squad hoping to prove their worth but first and foremost i guess i feel sorry for the guys who are leaving and and from what we understand it it was a pretty late decision they only found out very recently that they were going to be you know not be recontracted um, and it's obviously very difficult time to try and get something now when you're not sorted for next season. Obviously, clubs r- around the world really are, are kind of cutting back and um, trying to be really, um, you know, pick and choose who, who they bring in rather than just lumping a, a load more players into their squad. It's, it's a tough time for everyone financially. Um, but the guys you mentioned, Ni Adilokun, he's 29. He has that Ireland cap from 2016, of having been a, a massive part of the Pro 12 victory under Pat Lamb. Um, himself and Leader have close to 100 Connacht caps each leaders 27 Owen McKeown another one he has well over 100 caps for Connacht really reliable performer um, probably added depth in that back row and a good player but you just hope that they can find something out there now um, and, and Kyle Godwin's another one who probably hasn't been discussed as much but he's been a really good player for Connacht in the last couple of years I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't pick up something and even maybe back in Australia um, he's a very good player obviously they have midfield depth now with uh, Sammy Arnold coming in to compete there, but Godwin did a really good job on the wings and in both centre slots, probably possibly a bit more expensive than others and, and his kind of two-year term comes to an end. And then you've got another crop of players like David Horwitz, Peter McCabe, um, and these kind of guys, you know, they're he- heading away and it'll be tough for them. I know Angus Lloyd and, and Tom McCartney are retiring, but tough for the other guys to, to find something at this stage. So it is a real summer of change for Connacht. We probably didn't, you know, we probably actually expected them to to add more players than they than they shed. And I think there certainly are a couple more signings to come and they'll be working away feverishly on that. But it is going to look like a, a different Connacht squad. You'll have some of the key pillars obviously still there, still in place. But just looking at that, depth chart I think they probably need another signing in the back row we've discussed before the need for a, a big ball carrying number eight or or a big ball carrying back row and they they haven't quite managed to get that over the line I, I know Bernard had mentioned um yeah, Jasper Vice uh, in the Cheetahs before um, but we don't know what the status of that it looks like it might be off that that move and, and then the back three they've what five senior players now and, and there's a couple in the academy obviously Oren McNulty and, and Colin de Butler who I think his progress from the academy onto a kind of half season contract because he was injured last time around. They'll be hoping to push in and, and add those add that bit of depth there, but um certainly they look like they have a bit more work to do in the market um over the next month or so. But yeah, it's it's a tough time for those guys who've been let go at, at a late stage. Mm, I think we put the kibosh on that visa move maybe, but uh, just to look at some of those names that Murray mentioned there, Bernard, and how difficult a situation it is for them. Like 
Adi Lokuna, as we say, is an Ireland international, um, one was absolutely instrumental in winning a, a Pro 12 title under Pat Lamb. But he's 29. He, he probably hasn't lit the world on fire over the last four years for various reasons, a lot of them pertaining to injury and so on. Like the likes of Peter McKay, probably more of a fringe player and was maybe in limbo really before he landed back up to Connacht for for a kind of a second stint there. Um, 28, Rory Burke, 27. Dar Leader, 27, could conceivably go to America maybe. I know his brother's over there and there was some talk of him maybe going over and doing a Masters or something. So maybe he has plans. But for the likes of Adi Lokun, I, I suppose in particular, it's kind of just difficult to see a landing spot for him despite his talent... And despite the fact he's not old, but he maybe it just isn't the right age profile in terms of making signings um, within the current environment or the current climate. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him. I mean, the, the market at the moment, um, and in fairness, we, we mentioned this probably talking about Connacht a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it's a month ago now, saying um, that I really, you know, that we, I, I definitely hope that they would profit from, um, I suppose, uh, you know, a market that has seen player salaries drop and, um, not many oppor- not as many opportunities for for some you know really good foreign players to to maybe get into you know the more France or or, or Japan or even the the Gallagher Premiership and that kind of needed probably four or five you know reinforcements and that was without I suppose uh, a massive loss like we've kind of seen in terms of their their squad look at I think the market is still very favourable and, and um, the biggest challenge is is, is going to be around how many non Irish qualified players they're going to be allowed to bring in. Um, you would think, looking at the the squad as it stands today, they are a little bit light in certain positions, um, and you know, obviously they've they've done a little bit of business from other provinces. You know, is there is there more to happen there? You know, are they are they going to get some some more play, players from Munster, Munster, Leinster, or as I said, you know, as I said, is there project players they haven't earmarked or? You know, are they going to be allowed to bring in some um, non-Irish qualified? You know, I think what I heard was that that Cheetah's number eight deal is is off uh, potentially for uh, uh, for personal personal reasons. Uh, uh, so they, you know, they potentially have still um, a slot there for a non-Irish qualified player and budget for that. But um, yeah, it's it, it's tough on on Andy Friend and, and, and Jimmy Duffy and Isaac Caron at the moment. I mean, I felt. First half of the season, they lost a couple of players to the World Cup. They had an injury uh, crisis, and their squad just wasn't strong enough. Um, and you know, it did need it to be boosted. And obviously, they've you know they've brought in a, uh, some good young players for sure. Um, but I think realistically, they need to do a lot more. And and look at potentially, there's already players signed up that we haven't heard about. Um, but I do think you know start of preseason. Um, Andy Friend and, and his coaches will, you know, will certainly hope to have um, a bit more experience uh, and proven quality in their in their squad because you know it's the uh, it's tough to be knock to be getting to knockout stages or sorry to qualifying for Europe every year which I think is probably you know where they expect to be um, and I think at the moment um, it'll be hard for like to see those six academy lads having the influence next year um, to to help them get there. Yeah, I suppose there's a danger from Andy Friend's perspective, Murray, of like, say, for example, if you aren't able to bolster your squad um, to the extent that you might like by the time preseason comes around, by the time those interpros come around and so on, you potentially slip into a, a territory wherein you're kind of in a, a transitional season again, if you know what I mean. Like they, this one, 
even if there was no pandemic, it was going to be a difficult one for them, given the injuries and so on. But you kind of hoped while that was happening that they were building towards something where they could just have a better season next season. You just don't want to be losing seasons, I suppose, to... Um, like if you were if you're looking at the last dance, uh, and then and in the NBA you talk about tanking and all that kind of stuff. It's it's not quite that, but you can very easily sort of arrive at a juncture where you're you're constantly building towards the future rather than actually focusing on the present. If you know what I mean? Yeah, there is always that risk, I guess, when you're having a, a big turnover of squad. There are loads of potential upsides though as well. You look at the first fifteen, and there's really good, experienced players in the likes of Buckley, Bealham. Heffern and Delan and Rue and Thornbury that's a crop of three excellent locks with a couple of good young ones behind them in Murray and Dowling you still have Jared Butler in, in that back row you just it's, it's unclear how that's going to pan out exactly Sean O'Brien being back and, and hopefully fully fit will help a lot and Connor Oliver will fancy having a lot more game time Marmion Blade two excellent nines um, behind Carty obviously you have Connor Fitzgerald who emerged really impressively last season uh, but still has development to, to, to go in his career. And Connor Dean is, is certainly unproven at this level. Um, I think midfield is is an area of strength, even with Godwin leaving. Like Bundyaki, obviously, when he's available, is is a first choice on, on the team sheet. But Daly, Farrell, Rob, Sammy Arnold, that is going to be a really interesting battle. And all of them will have, you know, really strong ambitions of being uh, important player, players for, for Connacht. O'Halloran, obviously a key man at, at fullback. And John Porcher, I thought, was one of the success stories of last season, really. Uh, and he's going to only get better. Peter Sullivan is one to watch of the, that crop who kind of stepped up. Um, he looks like a really good athlete, has been quite prolific for Lansdowne when he's played in the IL and, and I think deserves a shot in, in the pro game, having missed out in Leinster. But there are lots of younger players there and guys who don't have that senior exposure. Jack Ainger might be a good example, who's coming across from Leinster onto a senior deal. Um, and will now be probably tasked with, with pushing on and um, really fulfilling his potential. So, like, Friend is obviously a person who's always glass half full and, and very positive and, and probably will be good at developing those younger players and um, giving them the skills, even mentally, to, to take on these challenges and grab their opportunities. But um, I suppose our slant on it, maybe the last time we spoke about it, was adding a little bit more depth in, in terms of proven depth and, and guys with a little bit more experience Um to, to back up your your starters so it'll be interesting to f- to find out exactly what recruitment is left to do who's available also on the market and um and what exactly they're, they're looking for in terms of the profile of players i think it'll be a big back row and then a, a kind of versatile back three player um isaac lucas lucas is on the market i think isn't he so maybe give him a five-year deal qualify him for for ireland while you're at it but uh i think andy friend's contact book is going to be key he's obviously worked in so many places around the world he knows a lot of different coaches, agents, whatever it is, and he'll have a, a good grasp on who is looking at this stage. And and as we know, with the, with the market as it is, there are a lot of people looking. So um, I think you could get a couple of kind of interesting late additions there. Yeah, Isaac Lucas was linked with Monster in the rugby paper in a piece last night. You could imagine the shit in the fan if they bring in a 21-year-old fly half from Australia. Um, do you personally, Murray, foresee a more of a shake-up, potential shake-up, um, from an interprovincial standpoint, like a couple, a couple more uh, comers and goers from other provinces, even towards Connacht, like, or do you see them more so looking abroad in order to uh, plug some of those gaps to which you allude? Well, I suppose they're working under the RFU's um, rules, and and the RFU have a big say in all of this. And of course, David Nusavor is a, a big fan of those interprovincial moves. When he, like, I know Leinster fans 
get exasperated when people talk about players leaving their province by their province but news four is looking at that uh, group of 10 back row players that's what they have now nine senior guys and martin maloney who had an unfortunate in uh, injury this year this season rather and and wasn't able to feature but there are nine top class back row players there and he's looking at it going that's absolutely mental when connock need uh, a kind of frontline number eight a guy who can just thrive and, and almost build a team around he, he's looking at conan deegan doris um all competing for that number eight slot in in leinster so yeah i think there'll be a bit of push and pull there leinster obviously themselves frustrated by what's been happening in that regard at, at times um and it is going to be a natural part of it because they're producing so many more players out of their their schools and, and club system um and uh, you know we've we've discussed that many times on here so i think the rfu will be looking at it that way definitely i suppose it's up to players who do they want to go across to connacht where maybe there's not a, a kind of guarantee of competing for trophies whereas in leinster you know you're going to be doing that it'll be interesting to see if if more players are, are willing to take that leap but yeah i think that's definitely going to be an increasing part of the picture for for years to come um a lot more people are going to be annoyed by it but it is going to be a reality of it and we've seen it even already with some of the guys who are, are joining dowling arnold uh, connor oliver etc uh, moving across alex wooden's one who's been linked with connacht as well he has a year left on his monster deal as far as i'm aware so that might be something that was a bit complicated or tricky um we're not sure if that's going to go ahead but he might be one to add a bit more depth in, in the back three and Certainly, New Sephora and the RFU are going to be looking for for more of that movement to fill holes in other provinces where where they are and uh, avoid any backlog of of players in in another province. Bernard, putting you on the spot, and it's a bit of an unfair question on the men in question, but um, of the six academy prospects that they have added to their senior squad, is there one that sticks out to you as being potentially the most exciting or the one you're looking forward to watching develop most between Niall Murray, Sean Masterson, Connor Dean? Colin Riley, Peter Sullivan, and Jordan Duggan. Um, I like Masterson. I think um, I, I've seen a bit of him play on underage. Uh, obviously, his brother, um, you know, has come back from a horrific injury, but I thought he showed he showed massive potential. And uh, you know, the younger sibling for me, just you know, they have um, they have a good back row when everyone's fit, but it's a highly attritional um, position, and and the way. Andy Friend and Nigel Carlin, you know, set their team up to play. Um, they need ball playing uh, back rows alongside what we, you know, we said they're lacking is just that, you know, that powerful number eight who can punch holes when when the defense is is, is set. So he be the one that I've kind of had an eye on for a while, um, and seen quite a bit at age grade, and I think he's got, you know, a lot of scope and, and potential. But uh, they need look at they need all six to to be able to contribute and. Uh, uh, and we'll we'll probably all play um, during over the course of the season, particularly um, you know if there's extended internationals uh, uh, season with we're trying to you know get the the Six Nations games we missed uh, played and and uh, um, yeah he he's he's the one for me. Yeah, it's a good point as well about the Six Nations, Murray, isn't it? In that like they're going to be at least a couple more weekends, hopefully um, over the course of next season, we'll say where there will be more opportunities for those more peripheral players or young players to come in, not only in, in, on game day, but during those couple of weeks while the international players are away training and so on, just getting reps with the first team and um, and probably becoming a little bit more accustomed to having that responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's opportunity. Um, and this probably points to how difficult a season it's going to be 
on the interior in, in professional rugby. We're going to all absolutely love it because we're going to have like blockbuster games nearly every weekend. But at a time when, as we mentioned, financially and even in terms of player numbers, you're you're being constrained slightly by what's happened and the money that's been lost, uh, the revenues that have been lost out on you're expected to dig into that depth even more so absolutely it's a time for us probably to see even more of um that that pipeline in irish rugby that we always talk about that we probably take a bit of pride in and think oh we're producing these brilliant players let's see some of them step up now given that opportunity um and backed by coaches like friend to to show what they can do even some of the guys in the connacht academy mentioned a couple of them but even that back row you you know there's josh dunn ushing mccormick mikey wilson are in the academy um, they may be called on even off the bench to add that depth and as you say being involved in training etc as well so it's a it's a massive opportunity across the board not just in Connacht but in, in several other provinces in, in all of the provinces really and several clubs around the world with that um, onus I guess on international rugby being played the need for that to, to happen to, to get money back into the game um, there's going to be a lot of players away for, for extended periods of this upcoming season so there's going to be a lot of younger guys um, having the chance to show what they can do. Certainly will be. Gentlemen, pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks, Gav. Thanks a lot, Gav. Thanks, Birch. Thanks to everybody at home as well. Thank you to all of the 42 members, members at the 42.e. If you want to join up there and hop into that rugby WhatsApp group, we will be back, we'll, blah, blah, blah. We will be back with the members podcast early next week and we'll be back again then with a regular podcast next Thursday. So until then, have a good weekend in the meantime and take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming out! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass.